Welcome back to the Recalibrate podcast. I'm your host, JC, and each week I talk about my experience in ways that I've made small shifts in certain areas to improve my mindfulness, mental health, and happiness. Today's episode of Recalibrate is going to be all about habits. In the spirit of how I want to share things that can help shift your perspective on how you think about certain ideas, one of the most impactful books I've read over the past few years is this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I genuinely feel like this book reframed how I view habits and understanding the why behind why we do or don't do certain things. There's a lot of content out there about habits, but the reason this book stuck with me is because of how the author frames habits as they relate to your identity and how you can start to shift your thinking from setting goals and then feeling badly when they don't work out to building sustainable systems that you can implement into your life. I'm really interested in the psychology behind behavior change and action because I feel like it's easier for me to make the change in my own life when I understand why either myself or someone else is doing something. In this episode, I'll go into identity-based habits, why setting goals leads us to failure, building systems instead of goals to make sustainable changes in your life, habit loops and why it's hard to break certain habits, and how to break them science of behavior change, and helping you to reframe how impactful these small moments can be as they add up over time. I heard this quote that said, the quality of our lives depend on the quality of our habits. And I truly have not stopped thinking about that since I've heard it because every little thing that you do throughout the day is a result of some sort of habit or behavior that you have taken on that starts to build who you are as a person. Habits are a time each day, every moment to embody the type of person you want to become. Your habits are how you end up embodying your identity. The process or system of building habits is a process to build the person that you want to be and continue to improve upon that person every single day. This goes into the identity-based habits that James Clear talks about and he really emphasizes the idea that motivation and drive only take you to a certain point and when that fails it's your identity that allows you to continually embody these habits in order to find gradual improvement over time. The real reason that habits matter is because they reinforce the type of person that you think you are. The difference between outcome-based habits and identity-based habits are that with outcome-based habits, the focus is on what you want to achieve. With identity-based habits, the focus is on who you want to become. Identity-based habits are habits you do because of who you are as a person or who you believe you are as a person. In the book, James Clear says the biggest barrier to positive change is identity conflict. Even though good habits make rational sense, if they conflict with your identity, you will fail to put them into action. So in order to implement new habits, you have to prove to yourself that you are going to embody and be that person. Since your behaviors are usually a reflection of your identity, what you're doing is an indication of the type of person that you believe that you are. Research shows that once a person believes in a particular aspect of their identity, they're more likely to act in alignment with that belief. So if people identify as a certain type of person or a certain thing, they're more likely to take actions that align with that identity. When you tell yourself something a million times, like saying you're bad at directions or you're not a morning person or you're always late, you will continue to do things that reinforce that belief. If you constantly say, I'm not X or I'm not good at X, then each time you say that, you're proving to yourself that you truly are whatever you're saying. 
your brain will believe you. There's a good line in the book that says, there's an internal pressure to maintain your self-image and behave in a way that is consistent with your beliefs. You find whatever way you can to avoid contradicting yourself. The more deeply a thought or action is tied to your identity, the more difficult it is to change it. Whether it's consciously or subconsciously, what you do now is a mirror image of the type of person that you believe that you are. So to change your behavior, you need to start believing new things about yourself and build those identity-based habits. Another thing that I read that reframed how I viewed this was there's a difference between saying I can't X and I don't X. For example, when you're saying I can't XYZ, you're basically making it a restriction statement in your head, making your body and mind crave it even more. But when you're saying I don't XYZ, this goes into the type of person that you are because the type of person that would do that certain thing wouldn't make that decision. Changing your habits and beliefs about yourself can be difficult, but two things that help you get there are deciding the type of person that you want to be and then proving to yourself that you are becoming that person with small wins. I'm definitely someone who is naturally internally motivated, but I also used to be a very goal-oriented person. A lot of content that I've read about this recently is changing my perspective to knowing that there is no end goal and that there's no big finish line to cross and taking it back to one of the first things I've ever talked about on this podcast, the idea that happiness or success or value or your worth is tied up into this other place that you're not currently at when in reality you can start to find that and build that foundation now and feel that happiness and joy within yourself now even if you're not at that place that you want to be at yet. The reason I started to shift here from being a goal-oriented person is because the problem with this and with measurable goals more specifically is that they're pretty binary. You either get to the goal or you don't get there. You either win or you lose. If successful people and unsuccessful people share the same goal, then the goal isn't really what differentiates the winner from the loser. Like think about in the sense of the Olympics, if everyone's goal is obviously to win the gold medal and at the end of the day only one person in each category does that, what differentiates them isn't the goal that they set. What differentiates them is the systems that they set to do those things. So the training that they did, the sleep, the lifestyle that they upkeep every day, the person that they embody, the relationships that they have, the way that they treat themselves and take care of themselves. Those are the things that start to differentiate it. Saying broad statements like, I want to save $100,000 or I want to run a marathon, I want to read X amount of books, those things are nice, but just by saying those statements or setting those measurable goals almost boxes you into a very narrow view of what success could look like. Like, what will happen when you get to that point? Will you suddenly become happy? Is it something that you will continue doing? Is it something that you're doing just to tell other people that you did it? A lot of those answers to those questions are unclear when you're setting measurable goals. Instead, starting to look at those statements and understanding your true root desires underneath a goal can help it to become more sustainable. For example, instead of saying, I want to save $100,000, shifting that to saying something like, I want to become financially stable, or I want to run a marathon, shifting that to, I really want to commit to something and feel confident and strong in my body's capabilities. Something like saying, I want to read X amount of books this year, instead just shifting that to be 
something like I want to become more knowledgeable on a certain topic or just to increase curiosity and play into that growth mindset can be helpful ways of framing these statements. Knowing that you can be happy with who you are now and still work towards what's important to you is going to be something that's helpful in really creating lifestyle changes instead of just going all in on something and then experiencing burnout. This ties perfectly into the next piece that I wanted to talk about, which is building systems. In Atomic Habits, something that James Clear said that really stuck with me was, you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems. To me, what this means is not just relying on motivation or willpower alone or setting empty goals without a plan for how you're going to get there. This might work for a few days or a week, but what happens when you inevitably burn out or lose that motivation? What systems and processes do you have in place to integrate whatever you're trying to implement into your life? Building systems is a really, really important piece in starting to create or cultivate new habits in your life because defining the process and being really clear about planning your habits is what's going to help you make the change. You can use the following pattern like, I will do this behavior at this time at this place. And by defining those three different dimensions, action, time, and place, it helps to make it something tangible that your mind can comprehend and follow. Another thing that always comes up about habits that I see people searching for the number of days it takes to either build or break a habit, whether that be 7 or 21 or 30 days, people are just searching for the amount of time that it will take until they don't have to think about it anymore. After doing a lot of research on this, I've determined that there is no set number of days that it takes for you to build a habit. Everyone is different and every action is different, so... Depending on what you're trying to cultivate or break, there will be a different amount of time that it takes for you to cultivate or break the habit. For example, if someone asked you to build a habit that was relatively pleasurable, like eating dessert every single day after dinner, you would build that habit relatively quickly. But if it's something that doesn't provide immediate gratification, it will definitely take longer to build the habit. Having good practices and habits can improve your mental health, quality of life, and your relationships with others, but often they don't come naturally because change is extremely hard and there's unfortunately no quick fix. The only way to implement sustainable, lasting habits is through incremental progress and showing up for yourself every single day over and over again. Everyone is different, but there is a universal four-step pattern that has been studied by several researchers and psychologists responsible for every single habit that you currently have. This four-step pattern is called the Cue Craving Response Reward System. This pattern basically creates what's called a habit loop. I follow this girl, Shelby Salco, that is all about implementing sustainable healthy habits and she explains this concept very clearly. We learn cues that predict rewards of things like money or power, praise, approval, love, and our mind continuously analyzes the internal and external environment around you for rewards. The cue is usually the first indication that we're close to a reward and then it leads to a craving so that you get to that end point. The cue can be anytime you're feeling a certain way or anytime a certain thing happens or it's a certain time of day. The craving is a feeling that starts to come up about that cue. 
the routine or response is what you do in response to that craving and then the reward is either something physical or the feeling shift that you start to experience because of this cycle. The cue basically makes your brain need the reward. When you get the cue, your brain doesn't care about the routine in the middle. All it cares about is the cue and the reward. If you're trying to break a habit, you first have to identify, okay, what is the cue routine reward loop that I'm currently experiencing? Once you do that, you can start to experiment with different routines that can get you to that same desired reward or feeling that you're craving. The rewards are really important because they teach us which actions are worth repeating in the future. Rewards are the piece that close the loop and if a behavior doesn't meet any of these areas, it won't continue to repeat itself. So to put this into a real world example, let's say the cue is that you get stressed at work or you hit a block on a project that you're working on. The craving from this is that you feel stuck and want to relieve your frustration. The routine or response that you have is that you pull out your phone and start scrolling on social media. The reward here is feeling temporarily less sad or stressed because you're distracting yourself and then social media will start to become associated with feeling stuck or stressed at work. Regardless of what you change in your life, getting stressed at work is something that will continue to happen. What can change here is changing your routine in order to get to that same reward piece but have a more desirable process along the way. As adults, this process is happening literally every moment without us even thinking about it. We've basically been running these processes for months or years and it's something that we don't even think about at this point. In terms of either creating a habit or breaking a habit that you already have, thinking about it in those four steps, cue, craving, response, reward, helps you define the areas to work on. Something that I really want to personally implement is journaling every single morning. Journaling is something that I love to do and it's something that I do a few times a week, but I don't do it every single day. When I do journal, it makes me feel so much clearer, focused, and it has so many psychological benefits. I know it's good for me, I like to do it, but it's not something that I'm implementing on an everyday basis. Researching and recording this episode is inspiring me to figure out how I can implement it every single day and using these principles to make it as easy and frictionless as possible so that it becomes something that I can rinse and repeat over and over without thinking about it. After researching behavior change, if you want to change your behavior, you can ask yourself these four questions regarding cue, craving, response, reward. For the first question, regarding cue, how can I make it obvious? For the second step, craving, how can I make it attractive? The third step, response, how can I make it easy for myself? And the fourth step, reward, how can I make it something that's satisfying? What I started to think about in this episode was how can I answer these four questions in terms of this habit that I want to create in order to make it something that's sustainable and something that I will do every day without having to think about it. For the first question, A, how can I make it obvious? That would be by leaving my journal right by my bed so I can see it when I wake up. Second, how can I make it attractive? For this one, I read about this principle called temptation bundling, which is really the concept of pairing something that you either have to do or want to implement with something that you really want to do. So some examples I read about this were if you want to implement, so for me in this example, if I'm going to temptation bundle with journaling, the way that I do this would be to make a good breakfast right after. I love breakfast and making breakfast is one of my favorite parts of the day. If I pair it after I journal, I'll train my brain to associate journaling and breakfast together. 
The third question, how can I make it easy for myself? And this goes back to the piece of making it really sustainable. So instead of putting this big pressure on myself that I have to journal 20 pages every day, instead just starting very simply to practice the repetition and habits and just tell myself that I'm going to journal one sentence every day until that becomes second nature to me. By really lowering the stakes here, you make it something that feels more approachable to implement. You want to make it accessible as possible because when a habit feels like an annoyance, you're not likely to stick with it. It doesn't need to be a big impressive habit to be useful. All you have to do here is simplify it down to the most basic quote unquote foolproof level and then do that with consistency. Lastly, how can I make it satisfying? I thought of a lot of different ideas for this, but since I'm pretty internally motivated. Something that I saw that was really helpful was to implement something visual. So a way to do this is to record your success using a habit tracker. And each day after you do what you said you were going to do, you can cross off with a little X or use a bullet journal and mark it off, whatever works for you. Whether that be if you print out a calendar and then you X out the days or if you have an app in your phone that you can mark it off, or you have a Notion template, there's a lot of different ways to habit track. I know there's a lot of different apps out there. The reason why habit tracking is so powerful is because it creates a visual cue that reminds you to act. It's motivating to help you see the progress that you're making, and it feels satisfying to check off your success and record that moment. Seeing the visual cue of how many days you've done something is motivating to see the progress that you're making. Just finding a way to Implement a little check and get the personal satisfaction and then move on with it so that you can both visually see your progress and get the little reward of checking something off your to-do list. By using these tools and the research in this episode, I'm going to try to start journaling every single day at least one sentence a day and I'll let you know how it goes either on my Instagram page, recalibrate.podcast, or on the next episode. Moving in the other direction, I think one of the hardest habits that a lot of people want to try to break is how much time they're spending on social media apps every single day. I think there's a few things about social media that make it so addicting and make the habit really hard to break. The first being that there's constant notifications coming to your phone at all times, and if you don't turn them off, they're really disruptive to your day. The second being that the way that these apps are designed make them extremely addicting and there's so much psychology baked into them with visual cues and with certain colors to make them more addicting to your brain. Similarly to how we talked about having visual cues to track your progress, I feel like a lot of social media apps have played into this with the idea of streaks and a lot of apps regularly implement some sort of feature like this to lock you in where you don't want to break your streak and it makes it so that you don't want to lose your quote-unquote progress. I've been really interested in the science behind either creating a habit or breaking a habit for a long time now. Similarly to how I'm going to use these to create a new habit, I've also used these principles to break habits that I've experienced in the past. You can take that four pattern step and use the same questions in the inverse for breaking a bad habit. So for the cue, how can I make it something that's invisible to me? The craving, how can I make it unattractive? The response, how can I make it difficult? And the reward, how do I make it something that's unsatisfying? I used to also be very addicted to social media. I would be spending so many hours a day checking my phone, scrolling through, and I would be so mad at myself, but I couldn't stop the habit. The way that I broke this habit was using an app called Screen Zen. And by using that four pattern system, I basically made the 
habit so unsatisfying and unattractive to me by creating a block on my phone that every time I opened Instagram or TikTok, it would open this five or 10 second block that wouldn't allow me to access the app right away. So it didn't provide that immediate gratification. And at first it was so frustrating. Like my brain just wanted the sensation of getting distracted and wasting time scrolling through the app, even though that's not what I actually wanted to be doing. By implementing that block of making the habit unattractive and replacing it with something else when I was feeling that stress started to come up or when I was feeling bored or anxious, when I started to identify what cues were causing me to make that action, it was really helpful in allowing me to break that habit. Let's say you're struggling with something slightly different and every time your alarm goes off in the morning, which can be looked at as your cue, then you start to feel anxious or you might dread getting out of bed and you're looking for a way to kind of tamper that anxiety that's your craving, then you might pick up your phone and either hit snooze or maybe you start scrolling through social media immediately as a way to distract yourself, that's your routine, and then your reward is that you temporarily feel less stressed or less anxious. But but in reality, that anxiety hasn't really been resolved and now you might even have more anxiety because you're late to start your day or you haven't gotten out of bed on time and now the rest of your morning is in a rush. If that's a habit that you're looking to replace, instead, you'll still have the same cue. Your alarm or st- your alarm will continue to go off in the morning. You'll still probably have that same craving. You might feel anxiety or you might feel that you're not ready to get out of bed yet because you're tired and you don't want to start your day. But what you can do is change that routine. So instead of reaching for your phone as your response, which will definitely be hard at first, you can start to think of different ways to replace that habit that would actually start to cater towards your anxiety or maybe you feeling tired. So Instead of snoozing your alarm, which I talked about in another episode, can make you go into another REM cycle and then make you even more tired or scrolling through social media, which can increase your anxiety more than when you originally started. You can do something like take two deep breaths or try to implement a two or five minute meditation right when you wake up and just start to experiment with some things that can actually start to create a healthier habit around a craving that you are experiencing from a cue. At first, it will definitely be hard because the easiest option is obviously just to distract yourself, to scroll through social media, to snooze your alarm, but if you are looking to make a change into some of the routines that you currently have, I would just try experiencing different things and seeing how it goes. I literally used to be a person that did that and now instead I meditate every single morning. The way that I broke that habit was I made it inaccessible for me to go on social media. I turned off all my notifications so it wasn't the first thing I was seeing and then I set up a shortcut on my phone that right after my alarm goes off, Five seconds later, the Headspace app that I use to meditate automatically opens so that I don't even have to think about it. So I made the other habit more inaccessible and unattractive to me, and I made the habit that I was trying to cultivate more accessible and easier for me to implement. Another thing that is really perspective shifting, at least for me, is to understand the compounding effects of habits. So instead of forcing yourself to do something perfectly or be really all or nothing with something, shifting your focus to consistency, sustainability, and repetition instead of doing that one thing really perfectly. I feel like a lot of times I'm really focused on figuring out the best approach to do something that 
it gives me almost paralysis on taking the action. I think this happens a lot where people spend so much time trying to figure out the best possible way to do something instead of just starting it and experiencing and learning the imperfection of all that comes with it. The same things are true for habits. If you want to start to implement something, you first are going to need to put effort in and practice this behavior over and over and over before it starts to become automatic without you having to even think about it. In the book, it says that habit formation is the process by which a behavior becomes progressively more automatic through repetition. The more you repeat an activity, the structure of your brain changes to become efficient at that activity. This is called long-term potentiation, which refers to the strengthening of connections between neurons in the brain based on recent patterns of activity. Every time you repeat this, the cell-to-cell signal improves and your neural connections tighten. Repeating a habit leads to clear physical changes in the brain. Each time you repeat an action, you are activating a particular neural circuit associated with that habit. Research shows that around half of our daily actions are driven purely by repetition. The most important thing here is really just to show up. You don't have to do it perfectly. You don't have to do it for a long time. You don't have to put so much pressure on what the ideal state of whatever you're trying to do will look like. It's really about how can you boil it down to the most simple, easiest level and then just start to repeat that over and over and over again and build momentum. This goes into the concept of just getting 1% better every single day and helping your brain understand the small wins so that you can build that momentum and start to add more things. The compounding effects of habits is so, so powerful. For example, 10 minutes a day doesn't sound like a lot, but if you do that thing every day, starts to become over an hour a week. And if you do that every week over the period of a year, it will add up to over 50 hours of your year. Obviously, at first glance, 10 minutes a day doesn't sound like a lot. And at a small level, it isn't. But the compounding effects of that can start to be massive. In that example I gave, let's say the thing that you're doing for 10 minutes a day is reading. On average, it takes about five hours from start to finish to read a 200-page book. Sure, everyone's different and some people read faster or slower, but if you keep with that pace and you read for 10 minutes a day, at the end of the year, you'll have read 10 more books than if you didn't spend those 10 minutes per day. If something that you want to implement is reading before bed every night, instead of even starting with those 10 minutes, try just starting with one page and making that consistent. It's easy to talk yourself out of any large number, so try to figure out what the smallest amount of it is that you're not going to be able to talk yourself out of and then just start to do that every single day until it starts to become something that you just do without even thinking about it. Change can definitely seem small and insignificant at the moment, but really just showing up every day and continuing to do these things and getting a little bit better every day will start to build that momentum. Going back to those identity-based habits, if you want to be a more mindful person and you say, okay, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes every day, maybe the initial motivation will get you to do this for a day or a week or two weeks, but eventually it's not going to be something that's sustainable in your life and you won't continue to do it. I've personally tried to do this and I will always talk myself out of it because the amount of time is something that's daunting to me and I always find like I won't have enough time or something else comes up. Instead, when I was building my meditation practice and cultivating that habit, I started super small with just meditating every single day, two minutes a day. And then once I 
got into that habit, I increased it to five minutes and then I increased it to 10 minutes. And then when I was at that 10 minute period, I was like, okay, this is something that feels sustainable, that feels good, that gives me what I'm looking for and is something that I can continue to do every single day without it being daunting. Another really important thing about habits that might seem contradictory is to be flexible. Don't beat yourself up over missing a day. Life happens and because there's no end goal like I talked about earlier and you truly are trying to make it something that will be sustainable in your life, you have to learn to keep going when things don't go to plan. People are really silly in this way where they feel like if they miss one day or they fall off track that they've somehow lost all their progress. I recently did this to myself. I was in a very good habit of meditating every single day. I accumulated like an 80 plus day streak on Headspace that I was really proud of and I went on vacation with my boyfriend and a few of our friends and we were having a really fun day going from back to back thing and I just never got around to meditating that day. The next morning I woke up and immediately was in a panic and was like, oh my god, I never meditated, I lost my streak, I lost all my progress, and I started to go down this mini spiral that I lost my meditation streak. And my boyfriend so simply was like, it's fine, you can just start again and you can just make a new one. Like, you didn't lose all your progress, it's not a big deal. Very objectively, it was just like, you can start over. And me, a few years ago, or honestly, even a few months ago, would have been absolutely devastated and let it ruin my whole day that I quote-unquote lost all my progress but really I didn't lose any of my progress. The progress was still there. I still chose to meditate on 80 plus days and one day of not doing it does not ruin all the progress that I made. What ruins the progress is deciding that you won't continue with the habit because of one bad day or even a bad week and if you're in the game of making real lifestyle changes, you have to come to terms with the fact that you're not going to be perfect. There will be off days, there will be days when it simply just does not happen and you cannot beat yourself up over it. You have to shift your perspective of perfection into just being proud of everything you've done up until the moment and continuing to choose yourself each day over and over to embody the person that you are or that you want to become. In my experience, when you want to become better at something, proving your identity to yourself is far more important than getting the end result, especially at first. You are not going to see immediate changes overnight when you implement habits, but being able to consistently show up in the person that you want to be as is so much more important for staying consistent. As the end of the year approaches, a lot of people fall into the trap of setting these unrealistic goals. People start to reflect on their past year and then start to set all of these resolutions for what they're going to do next year and all of a sudden they're putting so much unrealistic pressure on themselves that, okay, as soon as this clock strikes midnight on December 31st and it's January 1st, all of a sudden I'm going to be this brand new person that can implement all of these new habits that I wasn't able to before. And that's why I have a problem with New Year's resolutions because it really just puts so much pressure on your future self and puts this expectation that your tomorrow self is so much different than this person that you are right now. And in reality, I hate to break it to you, but the person you are tomorrow is the same exact person that you are today. If it's something that is hard for you today, it is still going to be something that's hard for you tomorrow. So instead of just putting these lofty goals out there with no real plan on how you're going to achieve them and setting these resolutions, it's better to just take a step back, start small, and figure out how you're actually sustainably going to implement new things into your life. 
since I actually really dislike New Year's resolutions, when I start to feel these things come up at the end of the year, I actually just try to start them right away so that I don't put so much pressure on my future self and trust in my ability now of who I am as a person to be able to implement those habits. For example, with the journaling that I was talking about, I could easily say like, oh, January 1st, I'm going to start the new year and I'm going to journal every single day and put all of this pressure on myself. But instead, when you're listening to this is November 29th and I'll just start today. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is or what month of the year it is. You can just start a new habit at any time, at any place, and just start off small so that you're able to sustainably implement it into your life. If you're looking to truly make a change, instead of thinking of all of the things that are wrong with you or all the things that you want to fix, start taking a look at your identity and the person that you want to become and how you can embody and choose that person every single day. Stop worrying about the end results and the outcome and start worrying about your identity. Become the type of person who can achieve the things that you want to achieve and build those identity-based habits so that you can continue to prove to yourself that you are capable of the change. All of the results will follow. I absolutely promise the compounding effects of habits are something that are so, so powerful. If this episode has sparked your interest for habits or behavior change, I really recommend you check out Atomic Habits by James Clear. It was such an interesting read and I absolutely loved his perspective on it. If you're looking for other content, I also really like Shelby Sacco that I mentioned in this episode. She makes TikToks and Instagrams all around habit loops and how to break unhealthy habit cycles. She's super funny and positive and I really like her approach on it as well. She's not just super preachy, she's also experienced this and has made changes in her own life. So would definitely recommend checking out either of them. If you liked this episode, I'm going to be doing a giveaway with the book Atomic Habits. So check out my Instagram at recalibrate.podcast for more details there and make sure to subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're listening if you haven't yet already. As always, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day or night or week whenever you're listening to this. I am so, so grateful for all of you for listening and for following along and I will talk to you again next Tuesday. Thank you.